Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Just a few minutes here just to share a few things that will help us better understand how to fast and pray. Number one, let's look to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And in these verses, Jesus reveals to us three disciplines of the believer. Matthew 6. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint your head, and wash your face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now before this, he talked about when you pray, do this. When you give, do that. And when you fast, do it this way. So what he's revealing to us is three important disciplines in the life of the believer. So now what are some of the reasons why we should fast? And I have some listed for you. Number one, it's biblical. Both in Old and New Testaments, it is biblical. It was practiced in the Old Testament. It was practiced in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's not mandated like it was in the Old Testament on specific days. But in the New Testament, Jesus said to his disciples, when you fast, implying that it was important discipline in the life of a believer. And I know when we talk about fasting, everybody gets really thrilled and excited because really no one likes to eat, correct? That's what I thought. Secondly, it helps restore our strength, our spiritual strength and intimacy with God. It strengthens us in our intimacy with God. In other words, it's a time that we set apart to be closer to him, to draw closer to him so that we can experience more intimacy with him. The third thing is it's a way to humble ourselves before God. And my goodness, we all need to humble ourselves before God, right? Look at some of these verses in Psalm 69, verse 10. When I wept and humbled my soul with what? With fasting, it became my reproach. In other words, they scoffed at me. They laughed at me because I'm doing that. The outside world will look at you when you say that you're fasting, that you're crazy, and so on and so forth. But he understood and he knew the need to fast as, a, as an example of humbling oneself. It's a sign of humility. If you think about it, if you don't, is that a sign of pride? I can do it without God? Think about it. All right, look at the next one. In Psalm uh, 35 and verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. Now there was a problem there, but notice that it says that one humbles their soul. How? With fasting. So it's an act of humility before God. It also helps us to hear God maybe more clearly as we set aside some time to be with him and not cater to our flesh, but cater to our spirit. We could be more sensitive to what the voice of the spirit is. Also it enables him to reveal to us our true spiritual condition. And I think every single one of us should be open to that. 
He knows us better than we know ourselves, right? Remember what he told Peter. Peter said, oh, I'm, I'll never forsake you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to betray you. And what did Jesus say before the rooster crows? You're going to deny me three times. Jesus knew him better than he knew himself. Right? And so when we get before God's presence and we humble ourselves and just say, you know me better than I do, so help me point out to me the areas that I need to maybe correct or deal with in my life. Also, it can help revive us in such a way so that we can become more influential in the lives of other believers. To carry a greater presence of God in our lives, to minister to other people. Secondly, and this is what's important here tonight, there are multiple ways to fast, all of which can transform us spiritually. Now, first of all, under point A, there's what is called the Jewish fast. These were mandated in the Old Testament there were two major fasts and several minor fasts. A major fast was a 25-hour fast from sundown to the next sundown to the next night, 25 hours all told, no food, no drink at all, including water, for 25 hours. There were only two days out of the year, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, and Tisha B'Av. And that was uh, commemorating disasters that took place or tragedies that took place. And it was a t called a time of mourning. They were absolutely mandatory by the people. Unless, of course, they were sickly or something like that. But it was a mandated time of fasting for 25 hours. The minor fast, which were, again, several minor fasts, they lasted only from sunrise till sunset. So when the evening came, they were able to eat after that. So throughout the entirety of the sunrise until the sun went down, they would fast. No food, no water, but then after the sun set, they were allowed to eat. And again, it was mandatory. So that's called the Jewish fast. And that's really not all that hard if you really consider it or think about it. Because sometimes I think people think of fasting for 21 days, that means I'm not going to eat or drink for 21 days. <sighs> what Italian can do that? first of all you're not going to live 21 days without water right? right under point b there's a regular fast that means abstain from all food and drink except water in other words different kinds of drinks no juices or anything like that then there's the partial fast that's abstaining from a particular type of food um or from a meal maybe one meal every day as a matter of fact it's called the daniel fast it was a partial fast for 21 days was a partial fast he gave up maybe some of the pleasantries or the dainties and that sort of thing. But it didn't mean he went the entire time, 21 days, without eating and maybe just drinking water. It doesn't mean that. So if you really consider it, it's not, once again, all that difficult when you look at it that way. Maybe I want to just miss one meal a day for 21 days. Maybe I want to just set aside certain things that I like for 21 days. I just want to let God know that I'm considering him above my own desires because I want more of him in my life. I want his direction. Then under point D, there's the absolute fast, abstaining from all food and drink. And that can't be for very long because you can't go more than three days without water. And so that's the absolute complete fast. You can do that if you like. You can do it one day. Uh, you can do it two days, up to three days. Or you can do it as long as you like, as long as you can. And then under point E, there is what is called the supernatural fast. The supernatural fast is a god ordained and God sustained fast and that is seen and look at Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 9 I think Moses did this twice Jesus did this once but these are fasts 
that are God-ordained and God-sustained. When I was gone up to the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Why is he including 40 nights? Because once again, fasting was either during the day or fasting was a whole 25 hours. He's letting them know that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water at all. You can't live unless you're sustained by God for 40 days without water. And we know that. So that is, again, God-ordained and God-sustained. But no one is required to do that unless, of course, God ordains it, but then he's required to sustain you if he does. Okay, so where do we begin? And oh, how important is this? Look at Psalm 66. We begin with self. Doesn't that excite you? Hmm. I can see you're thrilled already. We begin with me, myself, and I. Come and hear, O ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So that means if I've got something that i got to get rid of or, or take care of, I can fast and pray all I want. He's not going to hear me if I don't deal with it. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So David understood how frail he was, even though he was a man after God's own heart. And he knew the importance of making certain that his heart was right with God whenever he went to God in prayer. And we're no different than what David is or was. Can you say amen to that? Every single one of us needs to search our own hearts. Now, under point B, if we want God to hear us, we must first deal with ourselves and be honest with ourselves before God because cleansing begins where? With self as an individual. Every single one of us. And so if we'll take that time to get before God and say, I'm just humbling myself before you. If there's something in my life that I need to deal with, then just show me what it is so I can deal with it and, uh, experience more of you in my life now how do we do that well i believe we have an example in second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 and it's simply put if my people which are called by my name should humble themselves that's with fasting and pray number two three seek my face and four turn from their wicked ways and sometimes I think when we think of wicked, we think of like murder and stuff, rape and stuff like that. Anything that displeases God is wicked. How many of you believe that? And the rest of you. It's wicked. Then will I hear from heaven. Notice then. In other words, turn from that thing. Remember I told you about the woman that turned from her bitterness and got a creative miracle. But when she didn't, she didn't get that creative miracle. But when she turned from it, she got a miracle. God heard from heaven, forgave the sin, and healed the land. We all want him to hear from heaven. We all want him to forgive the sin. And we want him to hear the lamb. But do we want to humble ourselves with fasting and pray and seek his face and then turn from whatever it is that might be interfering with us experience, from experiencing God so he can have his way with us? And we all should want to do that. Okay. Now, 
Notice these. Under B C, you have, how do we do that? The sins of commission. That's obvious. The things that we've done that we know that are wrong are obvious. And we should repent uh, of those things, no matter what they might be. But then, the sins of omission. And this is probably the thing that sneaks up on us more than anything else. The sins of omission. In other words, not doing something that we should do. Right actions that we haven't taken before God. Or we've allowed to slip. For example, putting things above our relationship with God. Nobody puts social media above the relationship with God here, right? At Christian Assembly. No one does that. <clears throat> right? No one puts television. No one puts sports. No one puts shopping above our relationship with God. Well, whatever it might be that takes too much of our time that we don't give to God, that might be something we want to look at and deal with. Under point two, maybe not loving, forgiving, or living as Jesus did. Those who say they abide in him should do what? Walk even as he walked. And maybe sometimes just letting that thing slip. It's so easy to slip when it comes to the words we speak. Or forgiving other people, loving other people. Number three, not praying, reading, or witnessing as we should. We should say maybe as much as we should. Praying, seeking the face of God, and reading God's word, and, and just developing that in intimacy with him. Number four, not giving to support God's work. And many are negligent when it comes to that part of it. You've never heard me give a message that would browbeat anybody as far as giving to the work of God, have you? No, I just teach that we're to honor him with our tithe, and to give to support his work, and to give to the poor, and give as he leads us by his spirit. And those are the things that we should do as believers. And I guarantee you this. You're not going to make someone do what they don't want to do. If they don't want to tithe, they're not going to tithe. But you know what? I'll tell you the benefits of tithing are absolutely wonderful. If you'll do it. If you'll give to the poor, the Bible says you're lending to the Lord. And the Lord will repay you himself. How about that? Isn't that amazing? You're giving to the poor, but you're lending to the Lord. And he Will repay you that's amazing all right number four the motive and this kind of culminates everything the motive is to glorify god we want to fast and pray not so that we can experience some kind of great spectacular thing in our lives we want to humble ourselves and pray to glorify god so that we can be consumed by his presence and just carry him everywhere we go and the other things will fall into place. Number two, to demonstrate that we have a seeking spirit. Seek him with all your heart, and that's when you'll find him. So demonstrate that. To, and also a humble heart, that we humble ourselves before you because we want more of you. We want to allow you to shape our lives, to mold our lives, to be the people that you want us to be. And finally, for a spiritual cleansing, if anything, how many of you know, anybody here feel that you should take a bath once a day? If you don't, please don't raise your hand. <laughs> but wouldn't you say we all need a spiritual cleansing once in a while? When we let spiritual things slip, right? And it's easy to do. You know that as well as I do. It's easy to get into a place of complacency and to get into a rut where we think, man, hey, we're the best thing going. You know what? That's when it's dangerous. It's when you get before God and realize without you, 
I'm nothing. Without you, I have nothing. Without you, I can do nothing. And I know nothing. But I'm so glad I'm not without you. Amen. So as we enter into this, choose the way you want to fast. Choose what you want to do. Miss a meal here or there. Take 21 days maybe that you leave out breakfast. Or maybe that you leave out lunch. Or take one day that you say, I'm just going to do the, the Jewish fast, a 25-hour fast. It doesn't really matter. It's between you and God. But what matters is that we get the benefit out of it. And that we let God really minister to our lives. And that we invite his cleansing individually and collectively as a church body. So let's all stand if you don't mind. Come.